0: everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Church Online. We're in week two of a series we've called Building a Bigger Table. We said this, building a bigger table makes room for people and possibilities and purpose, and even more importantly, building a bigger table makes room for the power and presence of God to speak into people's lives. And really, this is far more than just a series. It's far more than just a teaching series or a preaching series. We're entering in to a three-year covenant together to make room for people in Shelby County to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection. Building a bigger table for us, it's going to be a campaign over the next three years to finish a new Alabaster campus. We're out of space. We've been out of space for a while here at this campus and we're building a bigger table. We're making more space, more room. We're in the process now of completing that project. And when that project is finished, we're gonna move on into Columbiana, and our Columbiana campus and make more room. We're building a bigger table in Columbiana to make more space, more room, for our family, for our friends, for people in our cities that need to know Jesus. We're going to hire more staff over the course of the next three years, and this campaign is going to help us to do that. We're going to raise over the next three years $700,000 to accomplish this goal, this vision for what God's calling us to do in Shelby County because we just want to build a bigger table to make more room for people to know Jesus. Week one, last week we talked in Luke chapter 15, about a shepherd and a lost sheep and a woman and a lost coin. And we talked about how people are worth searching for, they're worth sacrificing for, and they're worth standing up for. I'd encourage you if you've not seen that message, log on cultivatechurch.tv. However you look or however you uh, get that media, you can podcast it, you can view it on YouTube, whatever that looks like for you. Log in, see that message. It's a life-changing message for many people, and I know that it'll speak into your life. And it shares the cat, it just shares. We're able to cast the vision of what God's calling us to do as a church. So here's our theme verse. All month long, we're reading this together. It's Luke chapter 14, verse 23, and it says this So his master said, Go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you can to come so that this house will be full. So that's the heart of our church. It's been the heart of our church from day one, since we've planted Cultivate Church. We've always wanted to make sure that there was room at the table for people. Today, we're going to continue in Luke chapter 15, and we're going to talk about the parable of the lost son. Many of you may know it as the parable of the prodigal son. Now, if you've been at Cultivate Church any period of time, or maybe you've seen us online a few times, you've heard someone say, or you've read, discover what it means to live life on purpose. It's a truth of life that most people are just walking through life. They're just surviving. There's really no purpose Simply just trying to make it day to day. They go to jobs they don't like. They hang around people they don't want to be around. To make money. To buy things that they don't need or can't afford. To impress people that they really don't like. That's, that's really life for many people. If you were to ask most people, they would say, I really don't know what my purpose is. So we buy things we don't need with money we don't have. For what purpose? We're just... Going through the motions. And we know this, that the Bible says that Jesus came to give us life and life to the fullest. God came to give us life and life more abundantly. He says he knows the plans he has for us. That their are plans to prosper us and to give us a hope and a future. They're for our good and not for our harm. So when money doesn't meet those needs and the things don't meet those needs, we do more. We experience more all the while missing the purpose of life, to glorify God and enjoy his presence. How many of us in our lives right now, maybe you would you would resonate with, you know what, especially, come on, it's 2020. Purpose has been hard to find in this season. I can submit that maybe purpose is hard to find because we've been looking for it in all the wrong places. You see, we've all been a prodigal at some point in our lives. Maybe we're that now. What does prodigal even mean? The story of the prodigal son in Luke 15, it literally means a, perp, a person who spends money in a reckless or extravagant way. In other words, a wasteful person, a purposeless person, someone Just treading the waters, going through life, going through the day-to-day, getting up, doing the same old, same old, only to go to bed and do it all over again tomorrow. Prodigal, wasteful. Really, we would say we're wasting our lives. Many of us are simply wasting the potential of our destinies. Can you remember what dreams you had when you were a child? Think about that for a moment. Think about all of the things that you had hoped to do and hoped to accomplish with your life. And then life just happened. Something happened out of left field, or decisions were made, or things were done, and we find ourselves here. Many of us have been given up on those dreams. Many of us haven't given up on those hopes. What you felt maybe the Lord had called you to do seems like only a memory now, and there's no way possibly it could get done because I feel as if my life is just wasting away. I'm going to pray and we're going to dive into our notes. We're going to talk about the prodigal son today and maybe we can relate to what that looks like. We're going to talk about what prodigals are and then we're going to talk, dive into what the father sees us, what the father sees in us, what he thinks about us in spite of all of the stuff that's happened or the decisions we've made that have found us in the circumstances that we're in. So let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word, man, that it's alive and breathing and it is for us. Every word penned, every thought uh, 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 given through your word, it was about us. We were on your mind in the process. So, Father, help us to remember that. And today, as we open your word, God, as we talk about this passage in Luke 15, that you would open our hearts and minds to receive what you've got so that we could live a life on purpose in a way that honors you. In Jesus' name, amen. What are prodigals? Prodigals are, number one, they're selfish. Wasteful people are selfish people. Let's read about it in Luke 15, verse 11. It says, A man had two sons, and the younger son told his father, I want my share of the estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his son. See, we know that our father, our heavenly father, he stored up so much. There's an inheritance waiting On all of us, he has an inheritance bigger than we could imagine, but we often opt out to get what we want now. For instant gratification. It's that selfish mindset that sets in. You see, historically speaking in Luke 15, um, saying to your father that he wanted, I want my inheritance now before you die, it was really like saying, I wish you were already dead. His selfish mentality, his selfishness, his desire for gratification now was far greater than his love for even his father. It was culturally acceptable to allow a son to receive an inheritance early before the father's death. However, it was a common sign of utter disrespect. It was like saying, I just wish you would go ahead and die. It was the greatest sign of disrespect he could have shown his father. What he was saying is what I want now is greater than anything else you could give. Just go ahead and die and let me live my life. Asking for that inheritance was evidence of a decision that had already already been made in his heart. A selfish spirit had kind of set root in his heart. A selfish heart makes it hard for us to think of others. I've noticed this, that selfishness is a tool of the enemy to rob us of our destinies. So many times we get into our minds that we deserve this. We've worked hard for this. Man, it's, this is my time, my day. We're, we're tired of waiting for the future. I'm tired of waiting for the things I'm hoping for and praying for. I'm going to do what I can to get it now. And I begin to stop thinking of others and everything is center focused, self-focused. It's all about me. God has an inheritance, a purpose for our lives And here's the truth, it's not about us. My life is not about me. Your life, it's not about you. And when we allow a selfish attitude to take root into our hearts, it completely blinds us from the reality that God has created us on purpose for a purpose. Selfishness shows our immaturity, our inability to manage God's blessings well. When we're selfish, number one, prodigals are selfish. When we're selfish, number two, we tend to be reckless. Selfish people tend to be reckless in the things that they do. Let's talk about it. In Luke 15, he goes on in verse 13. A few days later, this younger son packed all of his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all of his money on wild living. Now, don't get caught up in the wild living part. The primary thing that we need to focus on here is that he wasted his inheritance. He wasted his entire inheritance on money, uh, his money on wild living. A few days later, he packed up all of his belongings, his selfish attitude. He got what he wanted and he moved on and he was reckless in his Decision. We love this instant gratification. That's American culture. That's the American dream. It's, I want it, I'm going to get it right now. Here's the truth, though 69% of, of Americans couldn't cover a $1,000 emergency fund. They couldn't do it. If there was an emergency that cost that much, they don't have that expense to cover it, so they have to get it with a credit card or borrow from some wayform or fashion. We buy things we can't afford today and figure out how to pay for it tomorrow. It's reckless. That's reckless decisions. Most of the time, our stuff's broken, busted before it's ever paid for. Here's an honest assessment that I need to ask. How or have I been reckless financially? Have I allowed a selfish attitude in my life? I I see the decades of work that my parents have put in, my grandparents have put in. And I want to live to that level today. I don't want to put in the 30 years of work, the 40 years of work, the sacrifice, the waiting, the delayed gratification. I don't want to do that. I want it now. So I'll, I'll figure out what that looks like now. Even if it seems to be somewhat reckless, I'm ready to roll the dice. Have I purchased things that I don't need with money that I don't have? Has that been the reality of my life? then chances are, if I'm honest with myself, I've allowed a selfish attitude to lead me to reckless decisions. What can I do to change before it's all gone? That's another question you need to ask. What can I do to change before it's all gone? Because you may be here today and you may go, Brandon, that's crazy. It's not all going to be gone. There's nothing that could happen. Everything's good. I've got this under control. I'm willing to bet that the younger son in Luke fifteen thought the same thing, and there he was, having wasted all of his money and nothing else to show for it. Come on, we can be reckless when we're selfish. Number three, if you're taking notes, Prodigals are helpless. Prodigals are helpless. There comes a point in every prodigal's life when it runs out. Let's read what he says and Luke 15, verse 15 through 19, it says, He persuaded a local farmer to hire him. He had wasted all of his resource. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the field to feed the pigs. Now let's just back this up culturally just for a moment. This this is a Jewish parable, a Jewish man speaking to Jewish people. Jesus is sharing with Jewish people, and he's saying that he went into the fields to feed the pigs. There was no lower thing that he could have shared. In other words, this guy had hit rock bottom. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. And when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I'll go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against you, both you and heaven, both heaven and you. And listen to this. And I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. Again, he's hit rock bottom. Finally, he comes to his senses. And when he comes to his senses, he realizes he is helpless. There's no way out. No one's offering help. There's no hand up. I've wasted my inheritance. I've burned all of my relational bridges. There's no one here that wants to help me. Anybody that I thought was my friend, they were really only here for the stuff and the things that I could provide. And now I'm helpless. I don't know what to do. Recently, my daughter and I, we've started training in jujitsu. And I know it sounds as funny for me to do that as you think it is. It is as funny as you think that sounds. But I've learned, I've been learning a few things over the past few weeks as I've been going into training and learning all of the different moves is because I don't know anything. There have been quite a few moments when I have been placed in some sort of a lock or some sort of a chokehold or arm bar where I felt utterly helpless. Literally the only thing I could do was tap out. I surrender. I give up. I couldn't push them off. I couldn't breathe. I was being suffocated. And I imagine that's quite possibly how this young man felt as he was thinking, pondering, eating slop from pigs because there was no way out. At some point, every prodigal has to look up. At some point, every prodigal, once we've wasted all of the inheritance, once we've recklessly gone through life at some point we're all going to come to this point where we don't know what to do and where to turn and surrender is the only option maybe you're here in that moment in your life today maybe you've gotten to the point in your life because of reckless living reckless decisions maybe it was financial maybe it was spiritual Maybe it was physical. Maybe it was a relational decision. You were reckless in your relationships. You were reckless in your resources. You were reckless in your finances, and you don't know where to turn. I can tell you today there's a way out. There's a way up. His name is Jesus. The son decided that he would go back to his father. I love what he said. When he came to his senses, I'm going to finally realize I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. He was willing to enter back into relationship with his father at any point the father would allow him in. But if you're taking notes this morning, I want to remind you what the father does. In your notes, the father runs to us. He runs to us, Luke 15 and 20. We continue on in the very next verse. He's already conceded to himself, my father may not ever even accept me back. I'm gonna come. I'm gonna cower myself down. I'm gonna humble myself down to my father. I'm gonna tell him how unworthy I am. How I'm not even worthy to be a son. I'll be willing to accept my even accept a position as a servant, as a slave. Just let me come and let me let me get out of this helpless circumstance that I'm in. He's already conceded that and he's already decided that's what he's going to do. And as he walks back to his father's home, it says, so he returned home to his father, verse 20. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. And I love this. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. Imagine This son, the whole way home, humbling himself, the whole way home, making up the statement, making up the story, the things that he was going to share. I'm not worthy to be your son. And before he could even see his father, his father saw him. While he was a long way off, his father ran to him, hugged him, embraced him, and kissed him as if nothing had ever happened. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in trouble before. I don't know if you've ever gone uh, done something that has angered your parents or anything like that, but I've done that plenty of times in my own life. I remember this one instance. When I was a child, my parents spent lots of time in a store called HQ. If, uh, if you know what that is, you're aging yourself right now. Those no longer exist, but we spent lots of time. It was a home improvement store. Nowadays, we have Home Depot and Lowe's and things like that, but this store was called HQ, and we spent lots of time in that store. And as a young child, you get kind of bored walking around looking at all of this stuff with your parents. And I remember this specifically, this one day that I had just kind of wandered off. I was intentionally just hiding from my parents. I thought it was a funny thing. And then my parents began to panic. I had gone across the store. I had hidden in one of the aisles. And I remember hearing my parents call out my name and and, and, and frantically begin to search for their lost son. And I'll never forget when my mom saw me from across this huge gigantic box store and literally ran to me. And something I'll never forget because I thought in that moment, I am in big trouble. I thought in that moment, my mom is going to whip me. She is going to be so angry. But you know what? That didn't happen. My mom grabbed me up and she hugged me. My dad came over. They hugged me. They were so worried that something had happened to me. And here's the reality. She was so relieved that I was safe that the relief was bigger than any anger she would have had. Can I tell you that's the hope and that's the love of the father for you and I even in these moments he when we decide come on we've come to our senses we're helpless we're hope we don't know where to go the father always runs his relief of our safe return is far greater because he loves us Romans 8:31 and 39 through 39 it talks about it it says that there's nothing that we could have ever done in our lives. There's no reckless decisions we could have ever made. There's no reckless decisions that you could have ever made. There's nothing in heaven or on earth or around the earth or even under the earth, nothing spiritual, nothing physical that could have ever happened that would stop the love of God for you and I through Christ Jesus. He loves us more than we could fathom or explain. And there's nothing I could do to stop that love. And there's nothing that I could not do to stop that love. God loves us more than we could ever fathom or imagine. The Father's love is bigger than any mistake we could make. He runs to us every time a prodigal returns. That's our hope for Shelby County. It's the why behind building a bigger table so that there's always room. The Father will never turn away a prodigal. So Cultivate Church, we're never going to turn away a prodigal. There's always going to be opportunities to see them far off, to meet them where they are, and to bring them home safely into the hands of a father that loves them. Number two, you need to know that a father prepares for us. The father prepares for us. Luke 15, he continues. It says, but the father said to his servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring and put it on his fingers and sandals for his feet. Get this. You want to underline this part, verse 23. And kill the calf that we have been fattening. He's been preparing. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and is now returned to life. He was lost and... Now he's found, so let the party begin. Notice that he didn't bring him in the house and said, tell us all the things that you've done and and you need to repent of all of those things, then we'll work this thing out. And maybe if you show yourself faithful a little bit and maybe you can make some good decisions and some right decisions over time, maybe we can bring you back into the family and let you back in. No, 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 no. He had already been preparing for this return. I believe from the day that his son left, he began fattening that calf. I believe it. He said, he said, kill the calf that we have been fattening. He had already been preparing for his return. The Bible teaches us this in Proverbs, doesn't it? It says, train up a child in the way they would go. And even when they're old, they'll not depart from it. Come on, we're building a bigger table in preparation for the return of our prodigals, our neighbors, our spouses, our children, come on, our coworkers, your friends at school, your friends in your neighborhood, in the community, at the ballpark. Come on, who do you know that's far from God that needs space at a table that very well could possibly feel hopeless and helpless? that very well could walk through the doors of any church in any place and feel as if there's not room for them. May we never be that church. May we now prepare now. Come on, we're fattening the calf now. We're preparing right now for everything that God's got for any prodigal that would ever step through the doors of a campus at Cultivate Church. So here's the question. Who in your sphere of influence are you preparing for? Come on, financially, emotionally, physically, relationally. Who are you preparing for to return back to the presence of God? Are you just going through the motions? Come on, are you struggling to find purpose? Come on, we're preparing for you. If that's you, we're preparing for you. There's room at the table for you to come and find new life in Jesus. Number three, finally, I'll share with you. What does the Father do as he reminds us? I love this part of the text because it takes a hard left turn. Everything is about the prodigal, everything, the whole story, everything up until this point is about a son who who recklessly threw away his inheritance, wasted it, and came back to the father who was prepared and waiting and caring and ready for him to come. And they throw the party, and I love what happens. Here's the turn. Here's the hard left turn, Luke 15, 28 through 30. You'll see this on the screen. It says, the older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. He was angry. He wasn't going into the party. His father came out and begged him to come in. But he replied, all these years I've slaved for you. Never once have I refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, you never gave me one young goat for a feast for my friends. And when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. Come on, he's angry. He's upset. He did not recognize anything that had just gone on. And I love what the father says. Right here in your notes, it says the father said to him, Oh, son, you need to look. Look, dear son. You've always stayed by me. Everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day. For your brother was dead and came back to life, and he was lost, and now he's found. Here's what I know about this story. Some of us are prodigals, and some of us are brothers. And sometimes God needs to remind the brother. Sometimes we need to be reminded, listen to what he said. Catch this, don't miss this. We had to celebrate it. Don't you understand that everything I have is already yours? You see, the brother never even understood, never even recognized that when he divided his estate, he had already given him his inheritance. Let's go back up in Luke 15. It says his father, he it says that he completely decided. He agreed and he divided his wealth among his sons. So you've got the younger brother who took his inheritance and wasted it. And you've got the older brother that did not even recognize that he had an inheritance. What is the father saying? Son, don't you understand that that fattened calf wasn't mine to give away? You're the one that gave it. Everything I have is yours. Come on, some of us have been in church our whole lives. We've been faithfully following Jesus our entire lives. And it's hard for us to see people walk away from God and walk away from the faith and return back in. Only for us to think often like this brother. They've squandered everything and this is what we're going to do? We're going to celebrate them? We're going to throw a party for them? And he said to his son, son, we have to do this. Don't you know the inheritance is already yours? Everything he has is ours. Our inheritance is what will provide a place for the prodigal to return. Our resource, what God has blessed me with, that's what's going to build the table so the prodigals can have a table to come back to. How are we using our inheritance? Come on, I'm a steward of resources that God gave me. I'm a steward of resources, get this, that I didn't Everything I have in my life, every good thing that's ever happened is a blessing. It's a favor from God. It's an inheritance gifted to me from the Father. Am I becoming a prodigal or am I preparing it in return for many prodigals? What does that mean? Am I wasting my inheritance? Am I wasting God's favor, God's blessing on my life? Come on, am I reckless in my decisions or am I living a life in a way that I'm preparing for many prodigals to come back? So in light of that truth, here's the reality. Here's what I know. We're going to give joyfully. We're going to give intentionally. We're going to do it willingly and we're going to do it expectantly. Who in our sphere of influence is waiting on us to build a bigger Come on, there's prodigals who need Jesus. Maybe that's you today. I want to pray with you. Maybe you're here and you're tuning in and you have lived a reckless life. Come on, that looks different for so many different people. What does that look like for you? Maybe for you that's financial. Maybe for someone else that may be a relational situation. You've been reckless. Come on, you've been selfish. You've allowed your own selfish desires to take root and you've not thought of others. And you've not thought about your faith. You've not thought about Jesus in this season. 2020 has literally turned your life upside down. You're a prodigal and the father is saying, I'm prepared, I'm ready, come home. Maybe today would be the first time in your life that you would confess that you need a relationship with Jesus. Come on, right where you are, I'm going to lead you into a, into a prayer. I'm going to lead you in prayer. I'm going to lead you into a relationship with the Father through Jesus. The Bible says that God loved you so much that he did everything possible. He sent his only son Jesus came and lived a sinless life. He climbed up on a cross, sacrificed his life, and three days later came back to life, conquering death, hell, and the grave so that prodigals can return, so that people can know Jesus and the power of his his resurrection. So I want you to know that's for you today. So you can simply say, Father, forgive me of my sins. I confess that I've done it too long on my own I've been a prodigal I've been reckless I've been selfish and now I'm hopeless I need a relationship with you forgive me of my sins I accept you as my savior from this day forward come on I'm gonna live a life on purpose in a way that honors you may I stop squandering the destiny the plan the purpose you have for my life from this day forward I'm living it out Help me to discover it. And from from now on, God, you are Lord of my life. Thank you for life change. Thank you for room at the table. In Jesus' name, amen.